Next on BYU Sports Nation, Pro Day delivers in Provo. Will BYU football now produce more than one NFL draft pick? And what about the gaps left behind by those NFL hopefuls? Where does that leave BYU football? And what have we really learned about the Cougars this spring? We go two-on-one with offensive lineman Tristan Hodge. Why leave Notre Dame for BYU and Gonzaga doubles down in the West Coast Conference? That's a good thing for BYU, right? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Monday, April 2nd. We're back to work wherever and however you're dialed in. Great to have you with us alongside April Fool's Day survivor Jason Shepard. I am Spencer Linton. You know how I spent, besides watching General Conference yesterday, on April Fool's Day, and this is not an April Fool's joke or statement, I had two separate naps of two and a half hours each. It was awesome. Well, good for you, Jason. What alternate reality do you live in? It was glorious. Well. You didn't mix in a nap yesterday? Uh, no. I was busy uh, <laughs> deconstructing Legos and playing General Conference bingo and dyeing Easter eggs. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> so I'm glad you got to sleep, man. Well, see, we did our Easter stuff Saturday. And, you know, with, like, the eggs and things like that. So, yeah, yesterday was all about conference and napping. I saw something yesterday that made me laugh really hard. And I don't think it was a specific April Fool's Day joke, but it was produced by the great show on NBC, The Office. Mm -hmm. Uh, They open up many of those episodes with uh, a character named Jim Mm -hmm. doing pranks on Dwight Schrute, okay? Yes, yes. The Asian Jim... (laughs) Prank was brought up several times as the greatest April Fool's Day joke ever. Like with the pictures with Pam, <laughs> every, it's great. <laughs> really funny. Really funny. So to all of you, I hope you, su- you survived uh, April Fool's Day. It's time to get on with life now, right? Reality, it's no, no more two and a half days, Jason. <laughs> two and a half hours each. It get, was awesome. Get out of here. It's time for What's <laughs> Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. BYU football had 14 different athletes participate in Friday's Pro Day. 31 NFL scouts watched on as the select group of athletes did anything they could in specified drills to get on more teams' radars. You were on the sidelines. You were in the mix. It's it's a unique intensity. Like All eyes are on them while they're going. The pressure has got to be insane. Fred Warner is going to get drafted. He opted to do position drills only. The star of the show was Jonah Trineman with his 4-3 flat 40. Would have been the fastest at the NFL Combine. 12-foot broad jump would have been the longest at the Combine. And his 40-and-a-half-inch vertical, which would have been the highest of any wide receiver at the NFL Combine. Invite this man to the Combine. T. John Karoma's numbers would have ranked number one, mostly, among the centers at the Combine. And don't sleep on tight end Tanner Baldery or defensive end Tomasi Lalile, both impressed in their own right. After all of that, Jason, will BYU have multiple NFL draft picks later this month? 
I believe that they will. And I think they're going to have two. I am all about the buzz. And Jonah Trineman had the buzz after Pro Day. In reading stories about him over the weekend, I think there is enough buzz about him and what he can do at the next level, whether it is as a receiver, whether it's special teams. And he even mentioned when he joined you and Jerem on Saturday – for the special BYU Sports Nation before conference that, you know, he assumes that his way in is going to be special teams, but he's willing to do whatever. I think he showed enough, and when you're putting up numbers like that, that gets people's attention. Because whether it's good or bad, people will look at your measurables. And when they see numbers like that, that will get people's attention. So I'm all about the buzz, especially late. And so the closer that we get to the NFL draft, having this type of attention late, that is great for Jonah Trineman. So I think there will be, and I think Jonah's the prime candidate. Ideally, there would be two, but I just don't think there will be. BYU will probably put seven or eight, maybe even nine guys in different NFL camps, the majority on undrafted free agent contracts. The rhetoric has consistently been free agent contracts for the Cougars in situations just like this, meaning... Only one guy is consistently on draft boards, that of Fred Warner. I mean, I'd love to be wrong, but I think BYU has one guy drafted based on how things have played out, again, in similar situations in the past. You look at guys that exploded on pro day or put up huge numbers at the combine that didn't get drafted. Daniel Sorensen, undrafted. Mitch Matthews, undrafted. Harvey Longy, undrafted. Michael Davis, kind of cool, undrafted, undrafted. Ten of the 14 pros from BYU are free agents. Now, Kainakua and Michael Davis and Harvey Longy all put up really impressive numbers at Pro Day. Undrafted. It's just the, it's the, it's the state of the game for BYU football right, right now. Fred Warren is going to be drafted. I hope I'm wrong. Did Jonah do enough to get into camp? Absolutely. To get drafted? <sighs> It's really hard. It, it is really hard. I, we're all certainly hoping that uh, the BYU gets multiple players in. Spencer, today begins the final week of spring practices for BYU football. Since practice number one, which, by the way, was back on March 5th, Cougars have been trying to implement a new offense with a new offensive staff and basically move past last season's 4-9 and nine year. Spencer, what have we learned from BYU spring football as we enter the final week? I want to start with this. The word multiple, okay? <laughs> the offense, multiple times. The offense will feature multiple looks. That has been the word of spring football for Jeff Grimes, the new offensive coordinator. To me, Jason, that screams. There will be a base group of Jeff Grimes' favorite plays, but with multiple formations and personnel around that base group to confuse defenses. I don't know the number of favorite plays he has per se, but I'd guess around 15 or 20. But when you have multiple formations, 22 personnel, 21 personnel, five wide, no backs, okay, it seems like there are 100 plays. There's a base group with multiple formations to confuse defenses. Number two, coaches are adamant about getting the best players on the field at the same time, even if that means a significant number of position changes. That has been a theme in spring football. Who's moving? Who isn't moving at this point? Tanner Mangum, the quarterback, is ahead of schedule and really pushing himself to get back from that Achilles rupture. 
he will be one of the three quarterbacks to compete for the starting position when fall camp starts. The other two, that'll be a battle between Bo Hodge, Joe Critchlow, and the surprising true freshman, Zach Wilson. The quarterback battle really has been narrowed down to four, and it's going to be, in Aaron Roderick's words, three quarterbacks once BYU fall camp. So Tanner Mangum is going to be one of those guys. We learned that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's I will start with the quarterback since that's where you just went. And for me, one of the things I learned is that Tanner Mangum is more part of the quarterback equation than we originally thought, just based on his health. It has nothing to do with his capability. Certainly based off capability, he's, he's always been in the mix. But we just didn't know how quickly he was going to be able to come back from the Achilles injury. So the fact that he is not only healthy but ahead of schedule puts him more in the equation than I probably originally thought, just based off of health. Also, the defense, not where... The defensive coaches and defensive players want it to be. We've heard from Elisa Tuiaki saying at this point he thought they would be further ahead than they are. We heard from Butch Powell last week on Thursday. The guys are still missing assignments, you know, plays and assignments that they implemented day one. So that's not where everybody on the defensive side wants it to be. The last thing, the offensive coaches, as we mentioned, brand new here implementing a new system. But the one thing above all else, they will not accept anything other than doing it right. And they have set the, the bar as to what they feel is the right way to do it. And if you do not do it the right way, you'll do it again. Hopefully that translates into at least six wins, right? Absolutely. The pendulum swings. A minimum of six wins. Hopefully that translates into at least six wins. We don't know a ton. We don't know a ton. Okay? And that's, and that's by design. Yes, that's by design. That's yes. by design. On to the conference realignment scenario we go. Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports and Mark Ziegler of the San Diego Union-Tribune were really loud and boisterous when it came to, hey, Gonzaga's thinking about going to the Mountain West Conference. Both of those guys reported over the weekend that after all of that, Gonzaga will likely remain in the West Coast Conference. (gasps) Color me shocked. Not Jason, I thought this would play out exactly as it has. A leverage situation for Gonzaga to get their way in the WCC, which they did, and they deserve. What is your reaction to the report that Gonzaga will remain a member of the West Coast Conference? My reaction is actually surprise, and I was in the minority in terms of those that thought this was going to happen. And not, oh, I don't know if you were in the minority. Well, there were a lot of people well, that thought and this that's was going why, down. In, in things that I read and in people that I was you know, talking to that would know more about the Mountain West Conference than I would because they're still plugged into that, they not only were saying that it's going to happen, was that it was essentially a done deal, that this was so far down the road. This was not going to happen. It was happening. So I am surprised. But what we saw out of the West Coast Conference and the changes they were able to make, that, that essentially gave Gonzaga everything they were looking to get out of changes in the current conference so where they could maintain their, their lofty goals of being number one every year. Gonzaga knew exactly what they were doing. They had the leverage, and they played it that way, and it's worked out for them. They pulled it off brilliantly. Well done, Gonzaga. Well done. Is it really, though? Oh, this is is an amazing, amazing play by Gonzaga as an athletic department. They knew what they were doing. And the fact that they had a lot of people, you included, believing that, oh, man, this is a done deal, 
played right into their wheelhouse because it allowed them to fast forward everything that they wanted. They had leverage. The threat of defecting to the Mountain West Conference was the fast forward button. And let's face it, what they want, they got, and they deserve it. An amazing move. Is, is it enough to keep them beyond this year? Absolutely. Are we going to be having this discussion again no. in 365 no. days? No way. Countdown to the Zags leaving? Should we start it? No. no. <laughs> They're, they are in the West Coast Conference for the foreseeable future. Yeah. They, they, where are they going to get it? something as, as appealing It's a sweetheart deal. It's a sweetheart deal for, for the team that put this conference on the map. This conference isn't where it's at currently without Gonzaga. And I know that's like, it's not, you know, breaking news here, but they had all of the power in these negotiations and they wielded Beautiful. it. Beautiful. Beautiful. BYU baseball, Spencer, has dropped two of three this past week into Pepperdine. Okay. That puts the Batcats at 14 and 12 overall. Two I'm, games o- above I'm okay 500. with the overall record. Yes. Just three and six. In the WCC, a league that they were picked to finish first. Yikes. Spencer, is it too soon to panic about BYU baseball? Time to panic? No, that's DEFCON 1. And figuratively speaking, nuclear war is not imminent for BYU baseball. If they were 3-12, and 12, okay, yes, then we're at DEFCON 1. I'm more at DEFCON 3, which is an uncomfortable position. You know, all of your senses are heightened. If BYU loses the series this weekend to Santa Clara, then it gets really weird because finishing in the top four then becomes mathematically not in their favor. Right. And this is a team, as you mentioned, that was picked to finish first in the West Coast Conference. Typically, the magic number is 16 wins if you want to feel comfortable about being in the top four in the West Coast Conference. And that's an average of the six or seven seasons that BYU has been in the WCC. You typically got to get to 15 or 16 wins to feel like, okay, we're going to be in Stockton and competing for a West Coast Conference Tournament Championship. BYU's three and six, okay? So with 18 games left, if they are to get to 16, Jason, that means they got to go 13 and five, 13 and yeah. 5. Look, it is most definitely an uphill battle, but in terms of time to panic, absolutely not. Look, BYU has six more conference series left, okay? There's enough games for this thing to be turned around. All the Cougars need to do is finish in the top four, as we mentioned, in order to make it to the conference tournament. They are currently ninth. The 3 and 6 record puts them in ninth place in the WCC, but they're only one game behind five other teams. One good series completely changes the dynamic of where BYU falls in the West Coast Conference standings. There is plenty of time to figure this out. It is not time to panic. This team is good enough to get on the run that they need to be. It's a huge series, however, this weekend at home against Santa Clara. A a series win, and even better, a sweep, puts everything right back to where they need it to be. Well, at this point, asking for a sweep seems like a lot. It does. They're more than capable of doing it. BYU Volleyball, ranked number two in the country. We'll see where they lie after today. Because they were shocked by Concordia Irvine on Thursday night. They did bounce back with a sweep win against 13th-ranked Grand Canyon on senior night. And UCLA was stunned by USC, also helping the Cougs. Will BYU 
currently in first place in the MPSF, get the number one seed and host the MPSF tournament, knowing that they have to go on the road and play Pepperdine and UCLA this week. Yes. BYU will be the number Their Their magic number is one. A, a win at Pepperdine or UCLA or a loss by both gets BYU the number one seed. And as we found out all season long, BYU, and it's crazy to think of this, BYU is a better team away from Provo. So the fact that they need one win this week and it's on the road, BYU will get at least one. So, yes, they will be the number one seed. They have done enough and put themselves in a position where needing one win, they will get that this week and be the number one seed. BYU needs to do this against Pepperdine because pressure is a funny thing. Yeah, just get it out of the way. Pressure is a funny thing. And they know the urgency of this. They serve the heck out of the ball on the coast. Yes, BYU is going to host the MPSF tournament. On the unlikely case that they, or in the unlikely case that they don't, I'm not that concerned because they serve the heck out of the ball <laughs> in every other venue. All right. Our question of the day, Jason. Yes. Does Gonzaga remain in the West Coast Conference, make it easier or harder for BYU to get into the NCAA tournament, and why? Our first response comes from at Twiggy or Stone. Harder for the auto bid. There's one more good team you have to beat to win the league. That being said, it also adds a bump to the RPI when you play them. Ah, yes, the RPI. So it does increase at-large chances of getting in. Interesting. I, I want to discuss this at length later in the show because I think this is a loaded topic. It's give and take. Because of the reasons that were just brought up in our first response, okay? there There's good and bad. It, it increases the challenge and the RPI and all that. We take Gonzaga out of the league, then BYU becomes the big dog to get that auto bid, right? Well, yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, coming up, we will talk about the NCAA tourney for BYU. Is it easier now? We'll discuss. We'll go two-on-one with BYU offense lineman Tristan Hodge as well. Stay with us. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Baseball faces the University of Utah tomorrow night in Salt Lake City. You can listen live at 8 p.m. Eastern time on BYU Radio. Welcome back, BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and Sirius XM Channel 143, BYU Radio. Our conversation is happening right now on all of the social media platforms on Twitter, you can follow at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Our question of the day, does Gonzaga remaining in the West Coast Conference make it easier or harder for BYU men's basketball to get into the NCAA tournament? Why do you think that? At Laser Sheep tweets in, much more difficult. But with that said, it adds at least one good resume building game per year, possibly three. Gonzaga is a powerful force in college basketball. The WCC is not an automatic two-bid league. You have to beat them at least once if you want a chance at the dance. Now, with the West Coast Conference only requiring 16 games now, that gives each and every team two more opportunities to go out and schedule resume builders. And will the new schedule protect BYU, St. Mary's, and Gonzaga so that they play each other twice every year. I think it would be in the best interest of the conference to do that if they want to be a multi-bid league. And correct me if I'm wrong, these these other games have to be agreed upon, correct? There has to be 
the, the league has to sign off on whoever you're playing. Did I read that correct? Money games. Oh, the Spe- money games. Specifically, I gotcha. one-off games. Yes. Like, hey, Michigan wants us to come play up there yeah. or whoever from a big conference. They're going to pay us to play one game at their arena. That has to be approved. So, I mean, the, the, the conference is taking charge of some of these issues that the upper echelon teams have had for a while, which is good to see. And that's what Gonzaga wanted. How many times have we heard Mark Few over the last little while talk about the, the teams at the bottom of the conference have got to step it up? This, this helps out with that. What Commissioner Few wants, Commissioner Few gets, Jason. Yes. Okay? And for BYU looking at Gonzaga, if the Cougars didn't have Gonzaga, the auto bid chances go up. But with Gonzaga in the conference, the at-large chances remain higher. That's right. just how it works. It's give and take. It's give and take. For BYU football, well, it's been a lot of give, okay? Going 4-9, and nine, they gave away a lot of games last year. They know that. They're trying not to focus on that. But it's in the back of every BYU fan's mind. Let's get back to a bowl game. Win at least six. But you have to do it against one of the toughest schedules or so it would seem that BYU football has ever faced approaching in 2018. Now, how does the BYU offense under Jeff Grimes respond to facing that tough schedule? I know he wants to begin in the trenches. And it helps when you have a guy that was the scout team player of the year at Notre Dame that has come to BYU, Tristan Hodge, two-on-one with the big boy. Uh, As the elite member of the Hodge family, right? Did I get that right? Oh, yeah. Who's Bo Hodge? I'm just I'm just kidding, Bo. I love you, man. <laughs> How has camp been for you? Spring football now as a fully integrated member of the BYU football team. You know, it feels great. You know, not having a red shirt and all that stuff again, but uh, coming out with my brothers every day and you know working on this new system. I feel like we're all learning a lot and we're progressing every day. We still got a long way to go, but that being said, we're making some strides. And I'm I love these guys to death, and it's it's a good time being out here. We'll get to more dirt on Bo and Merrill in a sec, but uh, the journey for you to come from Pocatello to here. You go to Notre Dame. Kind of describe uh, in like a, you know, 30 seconds or so the journey that's been Tristan Hodge to get to BYU. Well, it's been an interesting one. I mean, get, going out to Notre Dame, you know, my initial mindset was not to transfer. Um, but, you know, circumstances brought me here, and I'm glad to make this decision. You know, the culture is incredible. You know, having a true family around me, like all, all 100-plus guys in that locker room, I trust to death. You know, they have my back no matter what. And, uh, you know, this journey has been, been a long one. But now being here, you know, I've, I look back on it, I wouldn't change a thing. I would imagine you had some other opportunities to go to other schools because you were a big-time recruit and had that Notre Dame backdrop. Why was BYU the place? Um, believe it or not, when they uh, when I decided to transfer, I was going to be granted a blanket release, and I said, uh, you know what, just give my name to BYU, um, tell them to call me, like, here's my number. And, uh, you know, it's it's the culture. I knew that here that it would be a family culture. I've You know, I, I know people here. Um, you know, it's great to just be in a place where – I can trust everybody here that they have my back, that, you know, that they're my true brothers. So I, I like that a lot. So Bo is your cousin, Bo Hodge, and uh, you grew up with him. He Well, he moved to Kentucky. So did he ever live in Pocatello near you? No, no. He, we, yeah. were, we were always opposite ends of the country. So I'm, uh, you know, seeing each other every day, that's the most we've seen each other. I'm surprised we're not sick of each other yet. <laughs> I mean, he's probably sick of me. I don't know. So you were the distant cousin, so are you getting to know him better than you did previously, or was it like, hey, I see it's a family reunion or whatever? You know, of course. I mean, 
being that we didn't hang, hang out much as kids, um, getting to see each other every day, of course we learned more about each other. Um, he probably is like, wow, this, this dude's a little crazy. Well, I did not know that. Um, <laughs> but it's all right. It's, it goes the same way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been fun, you know, having family, you know, right next door. It's awesome. How would you describe yourself as a football player? Um, I want to talk, talk about myself as uh, ferocious and technically sound. You know, I want to go out there and I want to be the, you know, I want the defensive lineman to say, you know, dang, I'm sick of getting off the ground. Um, I want to be as technically sound as I can too. You know, I want to look good while I'm dominating a defensive lineman. I want to know that, you know, I'm not just looking like an absolute crazy man going out there. I want my technique to reflect as well because I think there's two facets of the game and I want those to be perfect. Harnessed uh, craziness is probably a good thing, right? And, and you're playing what, right control guard? Control chaos. Yeah, control right guard, yeah. yeah, right yeah. Guard. Okay. So you played a lot of center, right, growing up. Have you played your right guard? You know, actually, this is my, f- I'd say my second year playing right guard. I played center all the way through um, until my second year at Notre Dame, and then I started rotating a little bit right and left guard. Um, here, settled at right guard, and I, uh, I like it. There's less stress. I don't have to snap the ball. <laughs> so, yeah, what other nuance or uh, things are you learning at right guard, uh, given it's a newer position? Um, pulling. I mean, you know, at center, didn't really pull much, um, especially when I was growing up. So getting, being able to pull, I mean, that's fun. Um, we do a lot. Of, we, our scheme here is, incorporates a lot of guard pulls, so that's, that's fun to do. Um, of course, you know, I can use my help. You know, as a, as a center, I felt like I was controlling traffic. Now, you know, I have a little less responsibility. But that being said, um, it's a lot more fun. I, I like it a lot. What are your daily interactions like with the new offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes? And as you called him, uh, his son Ryan Pugh, the offensive <laughs> line coach. That was great, right, Dad? Yeah, I mean the uh, yeah, da- Dad and son. You know, when, <laughs> when, when they come in, so uh, Co- Coach Grimes definitely has no shortage of you know speeches or um, quotes that he likes. All these great quotes are showing us Lord of the Rings films to get us pumped up. I mean, uh, you know, the the, da- the daily uh, interaction with him, you, he's he see- comes off super serious because it's that. That deep voice that just carries. I can hear him a mile away. <laughs> but that being said, I mean, he's uh, he's focused, and he's a serious guy, but believe me, he also has a, a humor side to him, too, and he's very personable that way. So what happened with the Lord of the Rings clips? Oh, uh, you know, a couple of days ago he showed us, uh, you know, he wanted it to be like war. So this is going to be a warfare, so he showed us in Return of the King the massive war scene. Yeah. He says, this is what it's going to be like today, boys. Full-out war. <laughs> I was like... Okay. This is all resonating with Jerem. Arizona's a bunch of orcs, right? Oh, yeah, and he says, of course you guys aren't going to be going against a bunch of orcs. And I'm like, have you seen the defense? Are you sure? Are you, are you pretty sure about Yeah, so, uh, yeah, you know, it's things like that. Those little things, you get you get done, your blood's ready. You're like, wow, let's go practice right now. They're like, wait, we got to go meetings first. I'm like, okay. okay. Ramp it up, tw- meetings. Show me again in 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the new offense for BYU is a thing that everybody wants to know about, and it's got this mysterious uh, aura around it. What's the best part of the BYU offense in your mind? It's the attention to detail. We're very disciplined, and we, we're following a lot of rules out here. And, you know, he, Coach Grimes expect, expects nothing but perfection. You know, he, we screw something up, we do it again. And, you know, when it come game time in September, everybody's going to be able to see, you know, these guys are disciplined. They move as one. It's, you know, especially on the O-line. It's one finger to a fist. You know, it's we're all one. All right. Are you still thinking about Lord of the Rings, aren't you? No, I'm thinking about how we could do a whole show with Tristan Hodge. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking about. You want to do a whole show with us during the summer? Why not? Yeah. yeah. Give me on TV. I like TV. Get that approved. You know, I mean, I know Merrill's got a lot of TV experience, but 
let's let's get Tristan Hodge in front of the camera. Yeah, hey, I'm about to declare a minor in media arts, so there we I go. Need some experience. Need some experience. You heard it here. Breaking news on BYU. We Sports can help Station. you with that. Yeah, Tristan, thanks for the time, man. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. As great as he is in front of the camera, <laughs> speaking of Tristan Hodge, the dude is a beast yep. up front, and that has been the uh, consistent dialogue surrounding him from the coaches and his teammates. Is he he plays angry? And they need that. Yeah, they, they, they need, need that. And as you mentioned when you threw to the interview, you were talking about how Coach Grimes wants to build from the offensive line out. And that's not a surprise, seeing as how he's an offensive lineman at heart. But the from what I've been able to see and been able to talk to people uh, who have been following the offensive line specifically, they are extremely talented this is going to be a very fun group to watch and follow over the next little while typically when you have a lot of guys with a lot of experience and starts that resonates right and that'll show up in the Phil Steele you know preseason prognostications of oh look at how these combined starts can they stay healthy and they they stay healthy and they look like what we're used to seeing BYU offensive linemen look like coming up which BYU Cougar had the best weekend ever We'll discuss next. And I quote, awesomeness abounded in Palo Alto. (laughs) It's an actual quote from a BYU coach. More on that in headlines. This is BYU Sports Nation. Hey, it's Monday. Welcome back. Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard in Radio Vision. Live on BYU Radio, our national simulcast with moving pictures and all on BYU TV. We are on demand anytime, anywhere. Jason, I think it's a good time to roll out the headlines. It's your BYU Sports Nation headline. BYU football now enters the final week of spring practice. How much have we really learned from BYU spring ball in 2018? Download the podcast to hear that entire conversation from the early part of the show. The Cougars will wrap up the spring on Saturday. Scrimmage at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. My pick for spring game MVP, Zachary Lopini Katoa. It's hard to argue with that one without question. The San Diego Union-Tribune reports that Gonzaga will stay in the West Coast Conference next season and not join the Mountain West Conference. MWC Commissioner Craig Thompson said, quote, For next season, it doesn't look promising. We're going to continue to grow our league. We'll keep improving ourselves and see what happens, end quote. Second-ranked BYU men's volleyball sweeping number 13 Grand Canyon on senior night, Saturday night. Brendan Sander, Leo Durkin, Price Jarman, and Eric Sykes were the four seniors honored during that regular season finale at the Smith Fieldhouse. The Cougars at Pepperdine on Thursday with a chance to secure the number one overall MPSF seed and a share of that Federation championship. Just handle the business of Pepperdine and then let what happens at UCLA happen. That's right. Just take care of business and then... And then you can move on. It's pressure-free from that point on, at least in the regular season. Men's and women's track and field broke regional qualifying records and set all-time records at the Stanford Invitational. In his debut as a BYU Cougar, Matt Owens finished second in the 3,000 steeplechase with a time of 839.41. That time is good enough for second fastest time in the country this season. Okay. It also prompted head coach Ed Stone, who still has one of the best pictures ever, to say, quote, there was awesomeness abounding on all fronts here in Palo Alto, end quote. You know, I, some, I love some good alliteration. The awesomeness. Okay, well done. Uh, that brings up the question, which 
current or former BYU Cougar had the best weekend ever because there were a lot of favorable things happening for individuals like Jonah Trineman, who threw down at BYU Football Pro Day on Friday and put himself on every radar in the NFL, at least as, hey, maybe we should pick up this guy as a free agent. Is it enough to get him drafted, you know, as a seventh-round guy? Probably not, but who knows? He had a great weekend. Met with the Chicago Bears. They apparently love him. Dave Rose, BYU head basketball coach. Some of you are thinking, wait, what? What, what happened do? with Coach Rose? Gonzaga staying That's in the right. West Coast Conference. Yep. Okay. They're staying in the West Coast Conference. And he's really head, good, though? <laughs> he's the head of a few committees. Well, his, his uh, we'll forte. Dis- we'll discuss that. <laughs> his forte, Jason, yes. has been getting at-large bids to the yes. NCAA tournament, right? That's, that is true. He's never gone as the auto bid. So if it helps his at-large resume, why would it not be a good thing? Ashley Hatch. Goal and assist in Washington, D.C., and the win for the Spirit. Brandon Davies put up season highs for his European squad. The BYU men's volleyball seniors. Hey, UCLA loses. They sweep, and they're in prime position to win the Federation. And then we just talked about Ed Eyestone. And there's a lot, a lot yes, of good lot. happening. Who had the best weekend? Uh, for me, it's Jonah Trineman. Okay, And, I mean, there, there's no question in this country there is no bigger sport the National Football League. And if you are good enough to get drafted or play in the NFL, that is that is a big, big deal. I know we're not playing big deal, no deal. That is a big, big deal. And for Jonah Trineman to put himself in a position to now possibly be drafted or at the very least make a roster through as a, as a free agent. Oh, he will have an opportunity. Yes, so at the very least – if not getting drafted, and I think his chances jumped up significantly to get drafted late in the draft, it's got to be Jonah Trineman. To go, to put yourself in that position, nobody else had a better weekend than that. Uh, he also got a free meal courtesy of the Chicago Bears at Tucano's. Yeah, that's not bad. Just going to Tucano's is good enough, let alone the Bears paying for it. Jonah Trineman is the answer. The real question for me is, who's right behind him and who had the best weekend? And I think it's the BYU men's volleyball seniors. Because as disappointing as Thursday's loss to Concordia was, to bounce back and dominate Grand Canyon and then learn that UCLA lost to USC, oh, yeah, you're right back in it, man. You're feeling good about your chances to host the duration of the MPSF championships. It was a great weekend for those guys. It was a great weekend, and I was not there. I was watching the match at home. But what I didn't get to see until after when it was tweeted out was the very emotional haka that was done at the Smith Fieldhouse. That was awesome. Like, everybody was just talking about like, just how emotional that moment yeah, was yeah. Brendan for Sander everybody involved. involved. Yeah. That Storm was really Fog cool. Storm out to Tafunga. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a cool sight. And maybe, maybe it's Ed Eyestone. I want to give a shout-out to Ed Eyestone because he had a great week. <laughs> He was profiled as Patrick Swayze's uh, <laughs> stunt double. <laughs> if we put for, this picture, if we have it, any of the movies that Patrick Swayze starred in in the 80s. At the drop of a hat. You know, Roadhouse, Dirty Dancing. Okay. <laughs> I did tell you, though, I, I think, I think he, he resembles more of the Sam Elliott character from Roadhouse. And Roadhouse. Okay. Man. 
Dude, spot on. Yeah, that's that's a great comparison. Yes. Hey, he had a great week. Hey, a lot of attention for that. And then his teams go out and dominate, prompting him to say awesomeness abounding on all fronts here in Palo Alto. Maybe it's at ice. It kind of sounds like the dude. Okay. So, I don't know. Maybe I should redact the volleyball comment and just give it to Ed Eyestone purely because of the picture. Okay? (laughs) Coming up, Ashley Hatch had a nice weekend, as we stated. Which other Cougars had great weekends? More of that on The Whip. And the path to the NCAA tournament for BYU just got harder. Or is it easier? We'll discuss. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU baseball faces Utah tomorrow night in Salt Lake City. You can listen live on BYU Radio at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. My six-year-old Jack said it best when he attended the BYU-Utah baseball game with me the last time they played in Provo and said, Dad, who's BYU playing again? He said, oh, it's uh, the arch-rival Utah. And he's like, Utah? Oh, that's easy. They always beat those guys. <laughs> uh, from the mouths of bids. I'm glad that we've painted that yes. picture in his mind. Don't take him to a football game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's within the baseball realm, okay? Yes. yes. Within the baseball realm. We're not, we're not getting too ambitious just no, yet. No, no, no. We're starting. It's, it's about to change. Alongside Jason Shepard, I'm Spencer Linton. We are live in the studio, Bizzle, on a Monday with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. Watch our daily rebroadcast weeknights, including tonight on BYU TV starting at 6 p.m. Eastern Sharp. Our question of the day, does Gonzaga remaining in the West Coast Conference make it easier or harder for BYU basketball to get into the NCAA tournament? Why do you think at USU Coog 11 tweets in for an automatic bid harder, but for an at-large bid easier? Having Gonzaga in the conference guarantees you two quad one games in conference. Typically, yes. Their RPI was not great this year, so it wasn't a guarantee that those games would be quad one. But with where Gonzaga is now, yes. They will be quality games, quality opponents. And as I mentioned last segment, Jason, the Forte and where Dave Dave Rose, yeah, you you would know, (laughs) where Dave Rose has succeeded has been in the at-large format as a member of the Mountain West Conference and as the West Coast Conference. It hasn't been the auto bid. So if Gonzaga staying helps the at-large resume, then I think it's a good thing for Dave Rose and the way he builds his schedule. Well, it, look, the question is whether or not it makes it easier or harder to get to the NCAA tournament. Gonzaga staying makes it harder. If, if Gonzaga had left, you're taking away... Uh, basically what I'm saying is in all likelihood with Gonzaga in the conference, being first is off the table. Not that it's right now. Yes. Not that it's impossible, but Gonzaga has proven to be a juggernaut that all the teams in the WCC just cannot get over. So yeah, I mean that, that makes it harder because they're here because being able to be the team that wins the West coast conference tournament is, is very difficult with them there. Since Gonzaga almost always wins the tournament, you have to be the at-large, as we've talked about. Without Gonzaga, BYU's chances of winning the WCC tournament and acquiring the, the auto bid would be higher. I mean, if they're not here, it's just, it's just a fact. But like you said, playing Gonzaga two years gives you, you would think, the quad ones, higher RPI, whether you win or lose, having them on the schedule is a benefit. As we've seen... Winning games does not mean 
that you're guaranteed of getting into the NCAA tournament. Losing games does not guarantee that you're out, as we've seen with Oklahoma and St. Mary's. So the fact that you can have teams that you're playing that are upper echelon, that does help. But there's no question that it is harder with Gonzaga in the conference. Well, since BYU made the transition to the West Coast Conference, I think they've gone to the NCAA tournament in three of the six years, obviously the NIT the other three years, because Dave Rose has never missed a major postseason tournament in his 13 seasons as the BYU head coach. But when you typically get in as an at-large, it's your comfort zone. Right. Okay? To know that you don't – if Gonzaga left, the pressure of knowing – uh, okay, we probably have to win the West Coast Conference Tournament to get in. There's something to that. And BYU hasn't done it since 2001, and you're still dealing, dealing with St. Mary's. And BYU has shown the capability of losing to basically every team in the conference at some point in their tenure here. So is it really that much easier knowing that you got to win the West Coast Conference Tournament when BYU – is losing an average of three or more games to non-St. Zaga teams in West Coast Conference play? It's weird. It just gets weird when there's one auto bid and that's it. I know. Well, I mean, basically, nothing's changed for what BYU has to do. They're in the same situation, and not just BYU, but St. Mary's as well. They're in the same boat with Gonzaga coming back. You're dealing with all of the same factors that you were dealing with before, where you have a team that is clearly the best in the conference, and you have to overtake them. And so far, that has proven for any team in the WCC difficult, if not impossible, to do. Now, it is not impossible. Just because it hasn't been done doesn't mean it can't be done. It just hasn't happened yet. But there, you, it's not... It's, it would have been an easier path to go from 33%, and I'm just focusing on BYU, St. Mary's, and Gonzaga is the teams that legitimately have a chance to win the auto bid. To go from a 33% chance which of is, winning the auto which bid. Which is generous because Gonzaga is like 89%. Yeah, to 50% where it's just down to you and St. Mary's. Yeah, I, I don't know. Things get weird. And I am, to be fair, and to back up where I have gone in the past, I am of the opinion that BYU even with Gonzaga out of the conference, would schedule up and yeah. essentially try and take on the role of Gonzaga, where it's like, okay, as the premier team, at least we feel in the West Coast Conference, we want to prove that by going and playing anyone everywhere in these notable multi-team events. And we'll, we will ramp up the schedule. I feel like BYU, even if they didn't win the West Coast Conference Tournament Championship, in a hypothetical conference without Gonzaga, they would still try and do enough with their schedule to be an at-large consideration. Well, absolutely, and Dave Rose said that as much towards the end of the year yeah. where he was talking about just how how much things have changed and how they're going to probably need to rethink the way they schedule. Which they have which and they which have. they are doing yes. right now. They so, are I mean, in they, the middle of yes, that. Yes, they're aware of what this new college basketball landscape really views as important and they're they're in the process of adjusting the program to fit that and i agree with you whether gonzaga was in the wcc BYU or not BYU was going to do they it could. yes they will always do everything they possibly can that's one thing you can never say BYU doesn't do is to try everything they possibly can fun fact at this point last year gonzaga was preparing for the national championship yeah. game which they lost in a heartbreaker to North Carolina. 
But this is the golden age of Gonzaga basketball. This is Gonzaga basketball right now is what BYU football was from 1979 to 1985. Oh, that was good times. You're at the top of the top, okay? You're the best of the best in the smaller conferences, dominating, getting national notoriety. Yeah, the Zag staying means that they're likely year in and year out to be the favorite to win the West Coast Conference. But does that mean it's harder for BYU to get to the tournament? We'll leave that up for you to what, determine. What does this mean for Gonzaga football, though? We're not talking about that. <laughs> They're undefeated. <laughs> They're undefeated. More of your responses to our Twitter question on the way. Coming up, we whip it with tons of stuff from the weekend. It was a very busy weekend, and we'll go over all of it. All right. You tell us, did the Zags staying in the West Coast Conference make it easier or harder? Hashtag BYUSN. Respond on social media. We'll get to that next. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Thanks to today's two-on-one guest from BYU football offensive lineman Tristan Hodge. Did you know he was the scout team player of the year at Notre Dame, Jason? I did know that. It's a large human being. He wants to be at BYU. If you missed any of the show, download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Coming up tomorrow, Jeff Benedict and the Between the Lines Ping Pong Championship. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. BYU football now enters into its final week of spring practices. Today it's happening as we speak. The Cougars will wrap up the spring on Saturday with a scrimmage at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Men's basketball. The San Diego Union Tribune reporting that Gonzaga will stay in the West Coast Conference next season and not join the Mountain West. Mountain West Conference Commissioner Craig Thompson said, and I quote, The WCC is offering some things that probably don't make sense for our league. Most conferences are adding games. They're going to fewer games. We've increased our NCAA tournament unit bonus, but what I'm hearing they're doing, we're not going to do that. (laughs) End quote. Cougars overseas. Former BYU basketball star Eric Mika had 21 points and 6 rebounds in a VL Pissarro loss. Volleyball. Men's volleyball sweeping 13th-ranked Grand Canyon on senior night. Brendan Sander, Leo Durkin, Price Jarman, and Eric Sykes, the four seniors, honored during their final regular season match at the historic Smith Fieldhouse. The Cougars play at Pepperdine. Huge match on Thursday with the MPSF championship on the line. Track and field. The men's and women's team broke regional qualifying records and set all-time records at this past week in Stanford Invitational. In his debut as a BYU Cougar, Matt Owens finished second in the 3,000 steeplechase with a time of 8.39.41. The time is good enough for second fastest time in the country this season. Baseball. BYU baseball. Falls short on Saturday with a 5-2 loss, dropping the series against the Waves and dropping into ninth place in the West Coast Conference at 3-6. They take on Utah Tuesday, 8 Eastern, before a huge series against Santa Clara begins on Thursday. Softball. Falls short to North Dakota State 3-2 and number 7 Arizona 10-3 at the ASU Invitational on Saturday. Soccer. Ashley Hatch assisted the first goal of the game and scored the second goal in the 88th minute to seal a 2-0 victory for the Washington Spirit over the Orlando Pride. Tennis. Men's tennis loses its first WCC match of the season 4-2 against number 42 San Diego on Saturday. The Cougars go on the road to play St. Mary's on Thursday. Women's tennis beat WCC opponent San Diego 4-2 on Saturday. Sophomores Katie Cusick and Polina Malka 
led the Cougars in doubles, winning their match 6-1. The Cougars travel to in-state rival Utah on Wednesday. Lacrosse. Men's lacrosse defeated Utah State 22-4 on Friday night. Rugby. The women's team and rugby flanker Grace Ty was nominated for the 2017-18 Moss Sorensen Award given to the best D1 college player of the season. Golf. Men's golf finished ninth at the Stanford Goodwin Tournament over the weekend. Peter Quest, one of the best names ever. Quest was, for perfection. That's right, was the top finishing Cougar as he shot a one under good enough for 20th. Women's golf continues its spring season at the Bruzzy Challenge today and tomorrow. The Cougars will participate in a tournament alongside 15 other universities at Meridot Golf Club in Texas. That is a loaded Cougar whip around. Is that a record whip, maybe? I don't know if it's a record, Jason, but it's up there. Mm. Today's Rise and Chat brought to you by Dexter and Dexter. Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. How about we give the Rise and Shout to the four senior men's volleyball players? They deserve it. Memorable night. I'd also like to give it to the Shepherd family for allowing Jason to take five hours worth of naps. <laughs> it's not the Shepherds you don't need to thank. <laughs> it's, it's Heather that you need to thank. <laughs> Good for you, Jason. Our question of the day, does Gonzaga remaining in the West Coast Conference make it easier or harder for BYU to get into the NCAA tournament? Tell us why you think whatever you think at Broncos Lover. Harder, but truth be known, BYU needs to be more concerned about the non-Saint Zaga losses before they worry about the Zags and the tournament. Those losses are the tournament killers. No question. I can't argue with that. BYU dropping an average of three per season to the other seven non-Saint Zaga. (laughs) Our elite tweet of the day from at CL underscore living. Easier. You know who you need to beat each year, win at home, and win away, then off to the NCAA. Oh, he's a poet, and he absolutely knows it. It's, but that, nothing's changed with that. I mean, I, I hate to disagree with at CL underscore living, but that's, oh, that's been the situation up until now. Yeah. You've known who you had to beat. It, it, it certainly doesn't get any easier to win the conference, but... Is Gonzaga and the conference better for BYU overall? I, th- I think it is. Well, I think it keeps I think it, I think is. it keeps the conference yeah. keeps the conference as a whole. Conversation continues twenty four seven on Twitter. Don't forget use the hashtag BYUSN. The show always on demand. You can check that out at BYUSN.com. National championships tonight. Who do you got? Nova. Yeah, it's Villanova. They've been the best. For Jason, I am Spencer. Shout out to Terry Nashif, BYU Sports Nation, back at it tomorrow at noon Eastern. Later!